Hey, I want to welcome you to the online sermon ministry at Coastal Community Church, and we are so glad that this is a part of your spiritual journey is watching the sermon online. And, and uh, But we have a deep conviction at Coastal Community Church that part of our spiritual growth is also to be a part of a Christian community in a local church. And so while we hope that this sermon supplements your spiritual growth, uh, we all want to encourage you to be a part of a local church. And so if you live in our community and you don't have a local church home, we'd love to encourage you to join us at uh, one of our two services. Uh, we just recently relocated. So we meet at 101 Village Avenue in Yorktown, uh, Virginia, and we have two service times, 9, 15, and 11 o'clock. So if you don't have a, a home church, I want to invite you to attend one of our services. Angels, angels, we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. Sing, shepherds, shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? What the gladsome tidings be, which inspire your heavenly sing, sing, glory, glory. Sing that again. Come to Bethlehem, come to Bethlehem and see Christ whose birth the angels sing. Come adore our man in need, Christ the Lord, the newborn. Sing, Lord, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. 
the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Will you stand and sing with us? Is that church in it? Your name is a strong mind out. Your name is a shelter like the water. Your name, let the nations sing it loud. Nothing that's the power to say. That wonderful counselor.
stool. Merry Christmas. I'm going to jump right in because uh, if I don't, they, uh, there will be some bouncers that uh, show up and kick me off the stage. The, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 9 through 18. The name of my message this morning is The Hope of the Incarnation. This is the Word of God. It says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. I only have a few moments with you this morning, and, um, and so I want to be strategic about our time together. But Christmas, it, it really is a, a wonderful time of year. It's, it's the time where, where people, whether they acknowledge it or not, are pointing to, to God intervening for us through Christ Jesus, who's the ultimate gift of our salvation. There's, there's absolutely no escaping that. I heard on the, the news this week about two, um, they called them anonymous Santas, who uh, paid off, and I think they were in two different states, and they paid off hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, worth of layaway so that people who had their, their gifts on layaway for the Christmas season would show up and, and would hear the words, uh, it's, it's been paid for already. And I couldn't help but to ask myself um, whether or not these people were, were giving uh, as a response to being, being given the gift of salvation by God through Jesus Christ. And then I was wondering, well, maybe they're, maybe they're atheists and, and they, they just wanted to do something nice for some folks on, on Christmas season. That, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice gesture, but regardless of the, the motive behind why these anonymous Santas gave, they're, they're, they're giving because there's something inside of them that, that longs to give. There's something inside of them that's, that's saying... Man, you're, you're created for something so much more for this. There's this desire for them to give gifts, and, and I think that that's a desire that's been placed in all of us, and it comes out around Christmas time. It's a, it's a desire that I think we oftentimes suppress, but there's this trigger inside of us pointing us to the ultimate gift, and that's the gift of Jesus Christ that we all celebrate this Christmas Eve. And see, every, every gift that's given at Christmas whether intentional or not, is because 2,000 years ago, God became man and demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Christmas makes me long for the day that the Great Commission will be successful. So this morning, I want, to, I want you to be encouraged, and I pray that you'll take this encouragement to your family on Christmas morning. And I, and I want you to celebrate the truth that the incarnation of Jesus Christ is not a myth. The reason we exist, the reason that we celebrate, the reason we give gifts is because of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. All of creation declares this truth. God, through Christ, has provided the ultimate gift of salvation. As much as it pains me to be brief, I want you to walk away this morning from our text, from from John chapter 1, with three things. Number one is this. The incarnation was not the beginning of Jesus. The incarnation was not the beginning of Jesus. Verse 10 says, He, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through Him. Verse 14, And the Word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And then we have John's testimony, He, Jesus, who comes after me, ranks before me because he was before me. Verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God, the only God who's at the Father's side. He has made him known. The the testimony of the Scriptures, which is the the testimony of of the entirety of the law and the writings and the prophets and the, the apostles, fully asserts that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the image of the invisible God. He has no other identity than being fully God, the Messiah, the light who stepped into darkness to seek and save lost people. He was active in creation. He's the God of the Old Testament, and he's the God of the New Testament. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's ruling. He's reigning. He's the King of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ is God. Always has been, always will be. Secondly, the incarnation is where deity and humanity meet. The incarnation is where deity and humanity meet. Verse 14 says, In the Word, the Greek there is is logos. In the Word, Christ became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus, he he didn't give up any of his deity when he became man. He added humanity to his deity through his incarnation. No one less than God could atone for the sins of man. All right, so, so, so Jesus Christ is, is 100% God and he's 100% man. He's not 50% God and 50% man. He's 100 and he's 100. Now, some of you may be thinking of Philippians chapter 2 here, right? It says, have the, the Apostle Paul says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It's it's improper for us as Christians to, to think that the incarnation required Jesus to relinquish his deity. It's not, it's not a, a proper way to think about this Christmas season. It's, it's not true. It's not what Philippians 2 is teaching. This passage is teaching us that, that Jesus relinquished his heavenly status. And the relinquishing is, is demonstrated in three statements in Philippians 2 here. It's, it's relinquished in, in the words taking, being born, and being found. These all point to the humanity that Jesus added to his deity, not the deity that he subtracted when he became man. God literally became man. 
Fully God, fully man. The perfect man. The most human of all of us. Because Jesus was without sin. And Jesus became man because payment for sin required a second literal Adam to redeem the actions of the first man, the first Adam. The Apostle Paul teaches us this in Romans chapter 5. If you want to know why the incarnation had to happen, this is the reason. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. And I made this, this chart that's up here on the screen that... Um, help you understand the, the first Adam, second Adam language. Actually, I didn't make this chart. I made this chart, and then I sent it to Josh, and Josh said, this looks like garbage, and he remade it, and that's what you see. The, um, <clears throat> but this chart, I, I, just read through it and, and listen to me as I'm, uh, as I'm kind of going through the purpose here, the, the first and second Adam. But Adam, he, he was the first man to have ever been created, and he was good. He was a good creation. He was without a sin nature, and he enjoyed perfect fellowship with God the Father. Adam chose to disobey. It's the dilemma that he finds himself in, and because of that, we find all of our, we find ourselves in that. He, he couldn't reverse his disobedience. And it's helpful for us to think of, of Adam as our federal representative. I've used this illustration before, but, but we have senators in the state of Virginia. Every, every state has senators, and those senators, whether we agree with them or not, when they vote, we vote in them. And it's helpful for us to think of Adam in that way. When Adam disobeyed because he was our federal representative, we all disobeyed in Adam. So when Adam sinned, we all sinned with him, and because of that, we commit actual sins on a daily basis and we're content with that position if left to ourselves. Our actual sins that we commit on a daily basis point to our sin of unbelief, which is what condemns us when we stand before God the Father. But thankfully the story doesn't end there, right? You're here this morning because the story doesn't end there. Through the incarnation, Jesus enters our world and he does what the first Adam couldn't do. As our federal head, our, our, our senator, if you will, Jesus makes things right with God the Father. That's why he's called the second Adam in Scripture. God's, God's righteous and just character required a perfect earthly atonement for the first Adam's sin and for our daily sins. No, no mere man could provide that payment to God. Only the God-man could. Jesus, the second Adam, redeemed the actions of the first Adam. So just as the actions and consequences of Adam, the first literal Adam, were cast onto us, which are, is transgression, sin, nature, and death, so the actions of the second Adam, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, are cast onto us when we repent of our sin and we trust in him. We get the righteousness of Christ. And this leads us to our last point this morning, and I'll get off the stage. The incarnation makes fallen people children of God. The incarnation makes fallen people children of God. Verses 12 through 13 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. If you call yourself a Christian this morning, 
It's because it was God's gracious gift to you. It was God's gift to you. And I hope that when you give gifts this Christmas, that it, that it doesn't stop. Giving gifts is a, is a great thing, but I, I hope that it, it doesn't stop with just you passing some material possession to those that you love. I hope it serves as a reminder of this great God that gave his son so that you can be reconciled to him. God, through Jesus, has taken us, children of wrath, and he's made us sons and daughters. And we don't deserve this, and we have nothing to do with this. It was God's will that he set in eternity past, and he accomplished it through the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Isaiah 53.10 gives us this, this insight. It says this, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him, speaking of Jesus, to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It was God's will for Christ, for his incarnation, for his life, for his death on the cross, for his bodily, eternal resurrection, and for his ascension into heaven. And no amount of doing or trying could earn you a right standing before God. Your salvation was given to you and it was made possible through the incarnation of Christ. If I were to bottom line it for you <clears throat> this morning on why the incarnation matters, I would encourage you to turn to Genesis 3.15 and we'll put it up here on the screen. But I love this. This is, this is in the garden. Sin's just entered the picture. Genesis 3 is a, is a, is a gloomy passage. But if we're careful... We can find immediate hope when God the Father preaches the gospel to Eve. And he, and he preaches ultimate destruction to the serpent, to Satan, when he says this, I, God, will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Okay? This is God preaching the hope of the incarnation to Eve. He's saying that Jesus the Messiah will come and he will crush Satan. And he's done so through his life, his death, and his resurrection that was made possible through his incarnation. So I pray that that, that weighs heavy on you this Christmas season and, and that, that, would, that would encourage you as a believer that the incarnation made your salvation possible. And I pray that that would motivate you to share that with those that you love, those that God puts within your sphere of influence, so that God can disciple the nations and we can win sons and daughters and call them to submit to the lordship of their Savior, Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the incarnation. Lord, I thank you that uh, everything that, that happens this Christmas season is pointing us to the ultimate gift that was given. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would encourage believers. God, I pray that the, the, the next 30, 35 minutes or so would be a celebration, a response to this great gift that you've given. And Lord, I pray for the person in this, this room that, that isn't convinced or, or, or hasn't come to faith in you, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would burden them to repent of their sin and trust in their Savior. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, Joey, you want to take... Hey, it's great to see you.
Sing, fall on your knees. are so thankful for the truth of this Christmas season. The truth that you came down and dwelt among us and you were sent to save us from ourselves. And you lived a perfect life and then gave us that perfection. Lord, thank you for the fact that this is a season of hope and joy We don't have to look longingly to the future of a time in which you may come and do come. We know you have come, Lord. That you have reconciled us and redeemed us. So that is why we rejoice. That is why we sing. That is why we praise you during this season. Because we have the love that you lavished upon us on the cross. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would impress upon us the weight and the value and the worth of the gospel today. And that as we celebrate with our families this Christmas season, we would first and foremost be thankful above all for your son, Jesus Christ, and what he did on the cross. We thank you, Lord. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.